you know, I think we've all been worked over over the last few years in life, sort of in the whole world. I just feel like we've all felt like people have been separated into one side or another and gotten angrier and angrier and angrier. And this movie really reminded me when we, when I read the book, I was really inspired by the idea that we can't do this without one another. We you can't get through it without one another. And that's the feeling you got by these kids who were torn by the depression and forced together and ended up somehow being, you know, George, John, Paul, and Ringo. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a Depression-era rowing team takes on elite rivals with incredible success in director George Clooney's biographical sports drama, The Boys in the Boat. Based on the novel by Daniel James Brown, the film tells the true story of the University of Washington men's rowing team, who stunned the world when they unexpectedly win gold at the 1936 Berlin Summer Olympics. In addition to The Boys in the Boat, Clooney's other directorial credits include the feature films The Tender Bar, The Midnight Sky, Suburbicon, The Monuments Men, and The Ides of March. He was nominated for the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film for his 2005 feature Good Night and Good Luck. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Clooney spoke with director John Watts about filming The Boys in the Boat. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. It's unbelievable. That, that's a real story that really yeah. happened. Well, the funny part is, you know, there's, we've had people who've seen it who are like, you know, I mean, come on. The coach gave him the from Cal gave him money, and the kid was sick, and they didn't hear the story. All of that's true. The only thing we cheated for dramatic purposes was the uh, developing of the film for the at the at the <laughs> end, just because we thought, you know, it's a, you know, when you end the race like that, the reality is it's hard. The, the boats are actually very far apart, and so you had to use like long lenses and push it all together, crush it together. But it didn't ever have this great sort of boom, like hitting a last second jump or something. So we thought, well, the announcement would be the fun part. And so we just thought we'd stretch it out. <laughs> so we just, well, you know, if you're gonna do, it was a photo finish, by the way. We didn't cheat any of that. But, you know, I don't think they had Polaroids back in 36. So we figured, why not? You know? Dramatizing the, uh, the darkroom process. Exactly, we tried to make the darkroom process really exciting. Did you feel, uh, were there other moments where you wanted to cheat just as you're, as you're developing the story from the book? Yeah, we wanted it not to be in the water. <laughs> you know, I'm a, such a, I'm such an idiot. You know, I, I, uh, I did the perfect storm. You know, I was, I'd done it in the water, nine months in the water. And I'm like, oh. But I'm 62 and I just forget <laughs> And Grant, who's here somewhere, Grant, uh, my, my best friend and 40-year producer partner, producing partner, you know, he brought me the book. We'd read the book, we bid on it, we lost the bid, and then 10 years later, we got it over at MGM and they said, you want to do it? And we're like, yeah. And Grant's like, this would be great. I'm like, this would be great. And then we went to scout. Just immediately forgot. And I was just like, you're what there. the f- 
was so I stupid. thinking? I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. You know, you've got, like in that last race, you have eight boats across. And you've got, we probably have nine camera boats. The boats can't get parallel or ahead of those boats because you will capsize them because <laughs> our boats are much bigger. And, Great. Uh, and we can't get in close because the oars are so long. And the boats are incredibly long. And so to catch the guy in the front and catch the guy in the back. So we're on a you know 90-foot crane arm with a 300-millimeter lens so that we can get... <laughs> so we're trying to hold focus and yeah. you know, all this stuff. And it was just... It, literally, the whole time I was sitting there going, I, we're idiots. You know, we should have... <laughs> Done like auto racing would have been easier. All I could think of when I was watching is how do you also not destroy those guys? Well, like, that's the thing. So, like, it's like, let's do another take, and then they're all throwing up. Like, yeah. Do you... yeah, so even the pros can row for about two hours, you know, and not all out. And we're resetting and going again. So, we had to be really smart with our time, you know, you know, that is. So, we would, you know, we. We had to design shots so that we could do it. So that if we're going to do a drone shot from way above, we could use doubles, you know, in those kind of shots. But then in anything that you could see them, you know, we now, you know, we none of them had ever rode before. None of these actors ever rode before. And we sent them out. We trained them for two months. After the first month, they said, Yeah, come on out and see how it's going. And we went, and it was literally like, I mean, I don't know, you know, Ray Charles could have rode better. It was like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? I mean, we're dead. We're dead. And you know, this is not a, a big budget film. And so we're really having to be very careful with the shots we use and everything else. And I got in the car with Grant. We were sitting there like this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I just said, how much will it cost to replace all of their heads? <laughs> and we really were like, yeah, we could replace their heads with Olympic bodies and maybe somehow. But they got it together. And we trained them for the two months before we started shooting. And then I would try to wrap around three o'clock every day while we were shooting the other scenes. And then as soon as we wrapped, we sent them out to train again. So by the time, and we shot all the races at the end in, in order. So that by the time we got to the last stuff, the last race, they were really competitive. You know, we got them up to 46 strokes, which is what the Olympic rowers wow. were doing. Um, now they did it for eight seconds and, you know, <laughs> but Hey, look, you know, that's in filmmaking. That's what you need. I'm really curious how you designed all the races because they are all the same thing, yeah. which is just a boat going straight. Yeah, I know. And yet they all feel completely different. They we all have a different feeling. Yeah, you know, I mean, we did all those things, the, the Sydney Lumet tricks mm -hmm. of just like moving the moving the uh, the frame smaller and getting in tighter. But we there was there were different. You know, the first one's beating the 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 seniors. The second mm -hmm. one is beating the rich kids, and the third one's beating Hitler. So there was a. <laughs> You know, the, the yeah, traditional escalation, yeah, yeah the just dramatic structure. Yeah, we tried to really, we were running out of things to hate, you know, <laughs> once you get there. But there was a trick to that, you know, we're, we know too much, you know, now. So we know who Hitler became. And there were people who obviously knew where, some of where it was going, but no one could have imagined who he was by 42, you know. And so 36 he was just a shitty autocrat who was doing some terrible things, but we didn't know how bad it was going to get. Um, and that sound familiar? And uh, <laughs> I didn't say it. I, you know, I don't mean it. There's no correlation. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Uh, never mind. Uh, 
So anyway, the, 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 the trick was also not being too smart, not being too far ahead on the news. So, you know, when we're riding in, uh, they, the, the Americans didn't salute uh, Hitler, which was a good thing. I'm happy we did. Everybody else did. So we tried, you know, we tried to keep all of that legitimate and, and real. The, another of the hard parts was, you know, there's records of all of these races. So you had to always have the boats in the right order all the time. And you had to have them finishing in the right order. And, you know, these guys get competitive. They're, these The other guys are professional rowers, you know. <laughs> so, and they're like, so they try to win? And they're trying to win. <laughs> and I go over to the guy, those guys and I go, you know, dude, slow down. You're killing me. <laughs> and then our guys are beating him. And they're like, yeah, we beat them. I was like, yeah, you, you, you're, did. you got them. Great job, guys. Good. My actors, man. <laughs> Speaking of that, as an actor, when you're putting together a team like this, yeah. and you know what they're getting into. Yeah. How do you make it easier for them, or are you just secretly laughing uh, no, behind the you, scenes, knowing how destroyed they're going to get? Well, no. First of all, the first thing you you know we said, Grant, I, we each time we read an actor, we'd say, you know, look, I'm going to ask you a question. I know what you're going to say because I know what I would say as an actor. Are you athletic? If anybody's ever seen an actor's resume, there's like special skills and it's like horseback riding, archery, horseback, juggling, stage combat. Yeah. Yeah. Stage cam uh, all dialects. <laughs> I, I read sign, you know, just you make it up. And I would, any movie I'd go up for, if I, if it was Cajun, I literally put, I am Cajun, <laughs> which is a true story. And I went in and I just did the Cajun cooker accent. I'm like, Ooh, nah, nah. and they're like, Oh man, he's did, really, he's the thing. Did you get it? I got the job. What was it? It was this horrible television movie that I ended up uh, getting fired, uh, and Eric Estrada got the job over me. <laughs> Which happens, you know. I mean, he was on Chips, you know. What, what can you do? <laughs> you think of Chips, and you think of, uh, you know, Cajun. Um, but so you guys all said they were athletic. They all said... They all said they were athletic, and it turns out they were one kid. And I said, look, if you're not, I, we'll have to fire you. And, you know, which, again, even an actor, they wouldn't care. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just tell them and hope for the best. We had one kid that we were going to give the job to. And there was this moment. We were sitting in the room. You know, we were having to do all this on Zooms, you know, because this was still pretty heavy in COVID. And uh, I said, you know what? After we, we were going to hire him, big, tall, six foot six kid. And these guys are all tall, you know. And I was like, you know what? Get a picture of all of them with their shirts off because I have a fear. And this one kid, picture of the shirt off. Covered in tattoos. Covered. You're like, you're a f actor. Are you crazy? And this picture he takes, he's like this. <laughs> like he knew. Because he knows. Yeah. He knows. He got what busted. You cover him in pancake <laughs> while he's like rowing. You know, couldn't do it. The hours of, of that. But all of it was about getting them to, you know, they were, we, we hired them first as actors because that was sort of important to us. But we, they needed to be tall. You know, and uh, they needed to be, they had to be athletic. And they so, all look a lot like the real guys too, yeah, which is, that's always, that's always a balancing act. Like sometimes you'll see a movie and at the end they show them next to the oh, yeah. real person and they like 99% of them match except one. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, that's. Well, you know, we have one advantage, which is there really wasn't any, you know, there's very little film and very few pictures and there's no audio. So we didn't have to match, you know, uh, uh, voices and didn't have to, it didn't have to be you know, spot on, it had to catch the spirit of it. The biggest thing is that this book, if anybody's ever read it, it's a really beautiful book. 
and it's a it's incredibly you know, it's incredibly successful as well. And so we were concerned with the spirit of the book. You know, that was all we cared about was that, because the rest of you have to. We, there were two elements we had. You had to care about the guys more than anything, and you had to. We had to get racing right because there has not been a. It's an advantage in some ways. There hasn't been a great. Uh, you know, uh, boat racing movie. Um, some of it's because the technology wasn't uh, in the position it is now. And some of it is that, you know, it, it's not the most exciting sport if you're sitting back and watching. It looks slow. You're watching. How like, fast are they going? How fast would... I mean, we couldn't keep up with, up with them in, our, in the speedboat some because we've got you know, cameras and everything on. But they're going f- unbelievably fast when you're close. But, you know, you, if you watch F1, it doesn't look all that fast until you get in and tight and you see the you know need for speed series and shit like that so you know we took a lot of that with it with the idea of trying to get in tight enough move the camera a lot and do i think we have 600 cuts in that last race so that's a lot of cuts that's crazy i can think of the racing in social network and then yeah. like triumph of the will <laughs> yeah well, triumph of the will, right <laughs> lenny Riefenstahl. But, you know, the thing about social network is really fascinating because I remember it so well. And I went and watched it. And that montage, it's only about a minute long, is really cinematically one of the most amazing pieces you'll ever see. But the rowing, the actual rowing is not great. Now you're like, you're, you're like that's, well, not, but that's became, not good rowing. Well, we couldn't, you know, you, you, it's all in slow motion. These pulled frames out. And so you're watching going, oh, my God, all the oars are going at different times. And, and you go, oh, you can't do that. We really, it was really. So the guys actually, there's no way to cheat that. They have to be in sync. Yeah. Yes, they have to be in sync. I learned that from the movie. Yes. (laughs) And from his favorite boy band. (laughs) So what was the breakthrough for the guys to like get in shape? It was. Or was it all face replacement? It was all face replacement. Finally at the end, we got a budget. (laughs) You know, Amazon bought uh, MGM and we got money finally. Um, No, it was just that thing that clicked. They were all getting better at different times. The kid, uh, Bruce, the tallest one, from behind, uh, 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 you know, behind, um, who was he behind? Oh, behind Joe Rance, of course. Uh, he was the best by far, and that's bad if the third guy back is the best, and it sort of screws it up. So they all kind of rose to that level. But it really was like, I think we were about a month before we got to the racing that it was like finally starting to look like they really had it. Was there ever a time when you were going to play the coach? No. No, you know, I, no. At the very beginning, when you first were looking at the book? I'm 40 years older than the coach or something like that. I'm I'm too old to play the coach. And honestly, you don't, it's not fun directing yourself. You've never done that, have you? No, I'm not an actor. (laughs) Well, I've got a few films to prove I'm not an actor. (laughs) That never stopped me, you know. Very inspiring. (laughs) I just put myself in front of the camera and shoot. Um, it's hard to do because, you know, you break all those rules, you know, two actors, sh- you know, you and I are acting in a scene. We can't, we can't be acting in a scene. And then when we finish, I go, that's great. Don't do that. That's do that. <laughs> you know, a terrible thing to do. And then when you're directing and you're acting, you're like, you break all the rules that you should never break. You know, who's your team? Cause you have a lot of people that you work with mm. over and over again. You- well, Grant and I've done everything together. Um, from, uh, since Good Night and Good Luck. But we were, we've been partners for uh, 40 years now, which is a long time. And, uh, and we have a, 
you know, I love this guy, Martin Rue, the cinematographer. He's brilliant. Uh, Tanya Swirling is the editor. She is off the charts great in this. This was a really hard cut. I, it may not look like it, but boy, this was a lot of, a lot of work. And she started, she was on your, uh, did your show. We right? did Catch 22. We did Catch 22 together, together, right? And she's just a, just a go-getter. She's really great. And, you know, a lot of the same people we've worked with, uh, you know, forever. Um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty tight crew. I mean, you, you have that same thing. You have people you love. And, um, but mostly it's that thing of like, each one of them are different. Uh, and I mean, we looked at, for instance, we looked at Triumph of the Will and we looked at some of Lenny's, Riefenstahl's stuff and it was pretty fascinating because Martin, who's a German cinematographer, we were watching a couple of, we were looking at a couple of shots she had of boat racing and we, to this day, have no idea how she did it. We're like, how do you get a camera that high above where you can see the water and you know it's not CGI and locked in, that they're above it and shooting down? We never figured it out. We could, we, there was like, I don't know, how can you get the boat that close? And how do you, still don't understand how she shot that. But it was helpful to see it done poorly mm -hmm. um, because it's helpful to understand the mistakes that I would have made had I not seen that, you know, where you go, oh, we have to be moving towards the boats. The only advantage we had is people are facing backwards when they're rowing, so we could get into their faces, you know. Otherwise, it would have been possible. It, it really works. It's so, so visceral. Seeing it on the big screen, it, it's fun. It really, really transports you. You know, I'd say the other interesting thing was we really concentrate on this trying to feel like an old-fashioned movie, like, you know, sports films I like, but old-fashioned movies in general. You know, we have this scene at the train station when he kisses the girl, you know. Hadley, who's this wonderful actress. And I was like, you know, you have to kiss differently. And he's like, what do you mean, man? Like, like old movie kiss? Yeah, not like, not you like rub this, your, but your tongues yeah, up each other's Just rub your faces throats, together. You, know? yeah. you just mash your faces into each other. And it has to be... And those kind of things were really fun to try to play with. Yeah, I think that's... You love period movies. Yeah. You've done more, a lot. much more period movies than you have contemporary yeah. movies. And this is maybe... And even my contemporary movies are now period movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's true. It's a bit of a Q&A question, but I'm genuinely curious, like, why this movie? Why now? Well, I tell you, the thing is, the fascinating part to me was this. I like to do cynical things, cynical <laughs> films. I like it. I think it's fun. I like challenging people. I like pissing people off. I think it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun to, like, get in trouble a little bit and do something and have everybody go, oh, the f there's something fun about that. I mean, I'm... You know, I've always enjoyed that, and and you know, if I'm going to be allowed to play in the sandbox, then I might as well try some stuff, you know. And this felt like none of those things. And I've been, you know, I think we've all been worked over over the last few years in life, uh, sort of in the whole world. I just feel like we've all felt like people have been separated into one side or another, and and uh, gotten angrier and angrier and angrier, and it. We start we start to forget that we're all in it together and that we actually, for the most part, actually care about one another and care about how we get through life. We all kind of want the same things out of life, health and our family and love and all those things. And we tend to forget that. We have over the last few years, and we sort of joined tribes and things. And this movie really reminded me when we when I read the book I was really inspired by the idea that, you know, 
um, we can't do this without one another. We, we can't get through it without one another. And that's the feeling you got by these kids who were torn by the depression and forced together and ended up somehow being, you know, George, John, Paul, and Ringo, you know, along the way. And somehow that happened. So, you know, I like that idea of it too. I thought that was a, you know, my, my father was an anchorman in the news in Cincinnati, Ohio. Smart guy, he was a news director too, you know. I'm saying was, he's not dead, but I'm just saying he's, uh, he, that's what he did for his uh, career. And I, he got a call one day, it was like 1977, 78, I can't remember the exact day. He was anchoring the news at WKRC in Cincinnati. And, uh, and th there were skinheads protesting down on Fountain Square. So he's a news director, they send a camera band down, they go and they shoot him. It's six guys, and they're saying every racial, idiotic thing you could do. Probably another 500 guys around him yelling at him, you know. So he shot it, because it was newsworthy in Cincinnati at the time. But then he went to the top of Carew Tower, which is the tallest building in Cincinnati, and he got a shot of those tiny little people, six of them in a town of 500,000, <laughs> to put news in perspective and to understand that we aren't all that. And the danger with what we see now with 24-hour news and the internet and everything else is that every time we turn on a, a, an image, it feels like the whole world is that. And the truth is, I'm from Kentucky in a small town, and you know, certainly they don't vote the way I vote, and I don't wait, vote the way they vote. But we're all very good friends. We're, you know, and there, my parents live there, and my sister lives there. So it's about also understanding how important it is that we're all part of the same community, and for the most part, we're on the same team. You know. So not being cynical becomes your radical yes. statement. Yeah, exactly. I think that's nice. I think that's a great sentiment. I never thought of it that way, and you've now, you've ruined it for me now. Sorry. I was trying to be, like, nice for once in my life, and now you've destroyed it. All right. What do rowers think of this movie? Well, that's the good news. I mean, thank God that they love it, because, you know, that's the death sentence. You know, all you need is them just chewing you out. But we really relied on their help and their work ethic, and, and our guys really mimicked theirs. And you know, we were well, we were in Seattle two nights ago, which was like a revival. I mean, they were just crazy for it. <laughs> and then, um, and we were in London with all all professional rowers there, and they just were, were all over it and cheered. So that's helpful. <laughs> the The biggest one though is uh, Dan Brown, the author, because if we don't have his sign off, we're dead you know you can't and it's hard to do a really love you know we did catch 22 i know how hard it is to do a loved book <laughs> but you know heller's long gone so you know <laughs> he's not going to say too many bad things from the grave but dan's very much alive and so we were really concerned with because we had to condense it obviously yeah i'm curious what was left out well there's pieces that were left out we left out a lot of the joe backstory we shot some of it it just felt like it was too much and the, you could explain it pretty easily. Um, and if you're gonna try to fall in love with and understand the boys in the boat, you kinda, it's almost a procedural at that point. You really have to get to that story. Um, the love story was, is fascinating because it's a lot bigger. You know, he marries her and they were married for 63 years. Really? It's a great story. Um, uh, so we wanted to make sure that we had that and made sure that that was, you know, that he was loved, mm -hmm. but then she was loved, but we, di we didn't want to focus 
too deeply on that. We wanted to try and keep it about the the story about all the boys. I think it's it, it's old fashioned, but man, it works. Well, what were your references for? Did you have other? Yeah, you should, well, sure. I mean, maybe you guys have the, some of the same. I have. I'm one of those guys that if there's a a good sports movie on, wherever I ch- change the channel, I'll watch it from. The, you know, I'll watch The Natural from wherever I turn it on all the way to the end. I watch Hoosiers all the way to the end. I watch Pride of the Yankees, which is so. <laughs> you know, Pride of the Yankees is pretty fascinating. You, you know the. You know what they had to do with Gary Cooper now? No. So he's playing Lou Gehrig. Mm-hmm. And Lou Gehrig was a lefty, and Gary Cooper was not. So they put all the uniform numbers on backwards. <laughs> they put all the everything on backwards. And uh, when he swung the bat, he ran to third base instead of the first base. And then they flipped the film. Really? I, I love that. I just love it. <laughs> just for those shots, though. I mean, come on. It's cool. Uh, it, there was a, you know, there's a, 30 for 30 documentary that I kind of really focused on on this one. It's called Survive in Advance, and it was, it's the Jim Valvano story. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's on YouTube or something. It's two hours. I've, I've probably seen it 40 times. It's, I, I, I can't tell you uh, anything I've seen that w- was more inspiring and emotional and beautiful and funny and all of those things. And if anyone knows the story about Jim Valvano and w- what happened in South Carolina, you know, it's one of the, it is the greatest underdog story in NCAA sports, period. And the, the, if you know that, you know how it ends. And you're like, I know how this ends. So it can't be all that interesting. But you fall in love with these people. And their journey is so fun. And it's so exciting. And it's so ridiculously unbelievable. <laughs> and... Because part of the danger of telling a, a sports story that's real is people know how it ends. And so, you know, it's a little like a romantic comedy, right? Yeah. You know what's going to happen. if They're going to kiss at the end. <laughs> and it's whether or not you dig the journey. And so that was the, it was that, I think that was a challenge. And, you know, we're, we'll see how that plays. But it felt right to us, you know, when we were doing it. Where'd you shoot it? London. We went to Seattle to scout. And, yeah, oh, you too. (laughs) But, you know, Seattle doesn't look like Seattle in 1936 anymore. It's pretty built up. Uh, So we needed some cleaner shores. Uh, And we also needed a place that had a base of rowers because we have probably, you know, 100 or so rowers as well. So we needed all of those other elements. And and we needed the crappy weather because... You know, Seattle and London aren't all that far apart with the, you know, dark skies and stuff. Um, What's fantastic. What else do you want to tell me about it? Anything? uh... Uh, Let's see. Um, It's funny. There were a lot of actors, only a couple actors that I worked with before. Usually I get to work with a lot of the same guys. uh, um, Peter Guinness, the actor played George Pocock, I'd work with on Catch and stuff, who I love. You just give him anything and he makes it sound great, you know. uh, Hadley is was the find for me in a lot of ways. She's a, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with actresses, young actresses, Anna Kendrick or Shailene Woodley or people kind of on the rise. And she's that. She's going to be, she's real. She felt like a 40s and 50s, you know, movie star when we were shooting with her. Were you able to get everyone together because of it was still COVID? Oh, it was COVID so everything was remote. You never got to. Oh, no. So first of all, Again, we're not smart. 
Okay. <laughs> Grant and I, we came up with a plan. Now we all got tested and then we all got vaccinated and we're ready to go to work. And we get to London and it's just the boys in the boat and the two actresses and, and the two coaches, right? And we're gonna have a dinner. 15 people in a room, not much bigger than this. And uh, we all got COVID. <laughs> all of us, to the point where the first week of shooting, Callum didn't get it because he'd had it just a couple months earlier. And so who's the lead? The kid who plays Joe Rance. So we ended up shooting, and I'm directing on FaceTime. <laughs> you know, it was just a disaster. And, you know, we were only allowed to have 200 extras background artists. So um, that complicates the way you shoot it because you're just tiling and tiling and tiling people because we weren't allowed to have that many people oh, wow. together. Yeah. So that's a lot. All that's, those crowd scenes are just... It's just tiled. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, if you guys have ever done that, there's this thing that happens when you start putting people together, which is there's one or two guys You're that like, you, you just is, feel like is, you see him a thousand times. <laughs> we have one guy. I, I hate saying this because if you ever see the film again, that's all you'll be able to see. <laughs> one guy holding a rag going like this. <laughs> and he's like, every time I look, it's like 15 times across the thing. <laughs> There's no class in how to be like a period extra, no, right? No, there's no class in that. Oh, in fact, like the very first time our guys win, you know, we pan over to the crowd and it's 200 extras who are all from, you know, London. And we win, I go, yeah, they won. You know, we were not actually seeing them win. We're shooting them now. And they all start high-fiving each other. <laughs> and I'm like, no high-fiving, didn't happen, <laughs> didn't exist. Yeah, just filming it on their phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, don't do that. And, you know, there's that moment always where there's, like, one guy behind the lead, and it's the take you want. The guy, yeah. the guy behind him's like... <laughs> <laughs> we actually have one where I, I blocked it with a shadow, his face. Really? Shadow. Yeah. There's just, like, a very perfectly like, placed, like, arm yeah, just blocking like, him. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> But you know, I don't want to end on that note. No, it's like, no, and it was that. a disaster. Go see the film. Well, wait. Why we? Any? Does anybody have any anything worth asking? Because, yeah, please. Know, this is yes. A, what? Okay, if you couldn't hear from way back there, she said, "You look really good up close." <laughs> you wanted me to say that, and I yeah, wouldn't. I refused. Ask you about Alexander Desplat. It's a very good point. I've done seven or eight films with Alexander Desplat, the composer. Uh, he makes a difference in films. He's, a, he's one of the most extraordinary composers. He's won a couple of Oscars, so it's not like he hasn't been rewarded over the years. But he is, he's a dear friend. But, you know, you know this. You've done this. Uh, you put a temp score in. And you do it because I want to screen it for people. And, and then I send it to him. And he's livid <laughs> at the temp score. He's like, what is this shit? It's an old damn piece of shit. And you're like, well, I, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, you know. <laughs> and then he, then he comes over and goes, it should sound like this. And it does. And he's, uh, he's just an extraordinary, I mean, I love the music at the end, by the end, the end race. Because, you know, if you think about it, that race is, it's nine minutes of score in a row that has to escalate. Yeah. You know, so there's pauses and then he brings in bigger horns and does it like that. So it's, you know, it was tricky. They really didn't hear and they got a late start on the 
Final yeah, race? That is yeah. unbelievable. That, were, if someone were, wrote that in a script, I would say that's fake. Well, and that you couldn't do it. No, it, it would fake. be. And the kid lost 15 pounds and was sick and couldn't row. And the guys actually said, if he doesn't row, we don't row. So we didn't put that in because it feels a little too, like, cliche. But that actually did happen. <laughs> there were so many things about it. The the coach from Cal really did write a check for them to, to make, and they didn't have the money to do it. And all the behavior in the film is totally uncynical, too. Like, it's all just good people working together to help the good guys win. It's amazing. Well, there's also this other I piece. think that is radical. That's your... That's- <laughs> You're right. Come to think of it. It's too nice. <laughs> no, but there's also this thing about, again, period times. You know, the coach, Olbergson, which is, you know, such a beautiful performance by... Um, you, well, by uh, by the way, all of our coaches, you know, we're, but Joel Edgerton is just such a wonderful actor. And, you know, he didn't, you know, his concern, because the, the, they talked about how stoic this character was in the book. And so we wanted to really make sure you didn't give much. And, you know, in period pieces and also sports films, you, you, people don't talk about their emotions much. And that's what sort of gets you in the end is the, you know, sort of the, the stoicism. Yeah. yeah. And the inability almost to have those conversations. You didn't hug each other. You shook hands. How's it going? (laughs) And we started shooting with Joel and, you know, we were getting calls from the studio because they're looking at the dailies going, what the f*** this guy, he's got, he's an ass. And I was like, be fine. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Have a little faith. And Joel was ballsy enough to never, you know, there's so many of us, you know, as actors, I certainly have that tendency to go, well, can I just show maybe a little, you know, there's, he's a good guy really or something. You know, it's not many people that could be Danny DeVito in Taxi and just say, <laughs> "Fuck you, I'm an ass the whole time. And his was very like, I'm not going to give up anything. You just wanted to withhold and withhold mm-hmm. and withhold so that when he did. Just so that there's, and the, and the speech isn't big. It's just like, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm proud of you. But anybody who's ever played sports, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. So, you know, that's a, that was sort of the plan. That was the, the whole plan of the film. Well, it works. It works great. Well, it's an amazing film. Well, and you are. And everyone should see it on the biggest so I just, screen I just, possible. And I just worked with John as a director with this ingenue, Brad Pitt, uh, pretty boy Pitt, we like to call him. Um, and we just had the time of our lives and we are just giant fans of you as a director. Honestly, it's the middle of the night in Chinatown, in the middle of winter, uh, in New York, it's freezing. And George isn't in his trailer waiting for the shot to be set up. He's just hanging out and telling stories. And you look over and you just think, man, this guy loves movies. He loves making movies. He loves being in movies. He loves everything about movies. And you really put it on the screen too, man. You're amazing. You know, I have to say, well, I, I grew up in Kentucky. And honestly, uh, being in a trailer is not something to brag about. <laughs> so as long as I can stay out of a trailer, I'd do it. Thanks for coming out, you guys. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 